Welcome to Identical Cousins, episode 13, Bespoken Word. Bespoken Word. I, I'll take credit for that. I think that's kind of clever. Obviously, at some point, we're going to talk about Dave Morin, but not yet. How you doing, cousin? I am good, cousin. How are you doing? I'm awesome. The weather's turned beautiful here in Seattle. We have uh, 60 degrees, blue skies, no wind. It's beautiful. Love sounds, it. I love sounds, spring. Sounds lovely. It wasn't anything like the weather when I was there a couple weeks ago, was it? No, of course not. No, it just changed no. a few days ago. And then, and then to add insult to injury, I just got back from a trip from Germany, mm-hmm. and it was like the coldest March they've ever had. And like it was so cold that all the German people I was hanging out with, like friends of mine, were complaining like how cold it is they're like it's never this cold right Mm. this is like after finishing up winter so it shouldn't be that cold right they just say oh it's just you know no it was insanely cold like i don't know what it was i want to say it was like negative five or negative ten because they go on celsius of course but it was cold it was bad 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 cold and the wind was insane so i assume the wind chill was even higher Mm. or lower lower worse worse meaner better Mm. and basically yeah it was horrible but i just got back beautiful bay area i think we're looking at like it's like 75 today clear and beautiful so nice yeah seattle and and california and uh, san francisco area are pretty good right now yeah better than my mom's house where it just snowed oh she's on the east right yeah yeah south jersey yeah Yeah, that's right there's a there's a reason we moved away from there yes there is yeah so what else is going on uh what a crazy so speaking of the episode title and everything what a crazy few weeks it's been, like news-wise, just everything. It has. I think it really started with the with the Google Reader shutdown announcement. Yeah. Uh, and I, I knew that was coming. A lot of people knew that was coming. Um, hearing, I can't remember now when I first heard, but hearing that there were no engineers actually on Google Reader, maybe I heard that a year ago or more, was, you know, that just made it obvious that, Google doesn't care about this thing at all. And the only reason they haven't shut it down is because they just hadn't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. I I read this ridiculous article that was saying basically they were a victim of privacy concerns. Did you read about this? No. Yeah. So All Things D was basically talking about how part of the decision to pull the plug was the fact that there were privacy concerns and they had increased concerns about compliance and stuff like this. Hmm. So it's it's a pretty long article, but that's the summary of it. And I, I I think now they're trying to maybe spin a little bit more for the fact that they were like, oh, it's it's against our focus. It's against our current product trends or whatever. Right. And that's just total utter crap. Yeah. Because, you know, days after that, then the Google Keep is announced. And that's, you know. I don't know, something like OneNote or Evernote or something like that. I just saw an article yesterday or the day before that on, um, it was on Wired, that they're going to have same-day shipping on, on Google. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're piloting same-day shipping, like Google vans that bring things to you same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Shopping Express, here it is. And it, that's focus, really? Google uh, shipping products. Yeah, are you kidding me? To compete with eBay and Amazon, that's uh-huh. focus, yeah, just focus, right? Yeah, yeah. So the question on my mind is, you know, say Google comes out with an interesting service that I might like, would I be cautious about it, knowing Google's track record? You know what's interesting? Uh, I'm not I'm not a person that normally bans a company based upon their history. Like, I'm like, if a product's cool, I go with it, right? 
but I don't use Google products. And this is kind of crazy. The only thing I use from Google primarily, actually, there's about two things I use, maps and search, right? Search is number one, of course. But yeah. besides that, Google Mail, all these other Google services, Reader, I always avoided them feeling like they're dead ends. I just did. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like I knew. I just, there was always something about their services that just don't seem like products. They seem more like trials and mm-hmm. beta tests, experiments, if you will. Now, there's it. There's always been a lot of throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks kind of thing from Google. And, and they say that they're trying to focus now, but it just doesn't look that way. No, it certainly doesn't. Um, so I actually uh, deleted my Google account. Not out of protest to reader, but just realizing, because the issue was in the air, that I didn't use anything but maps and search anyway, and I don't need an account for those, so why not just nuke it? So I did. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I have my account, I think, for basic things like uh, the neighborhood I live in, we have like a neighborhood watch, I think that's on Google. Um I do have a Google Mail reader, I think, for spam, right? Like, mm-hmm. what did I say? Google Mail reader? Google Mail account. I don't know what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. So, like, I still have an account for, like, secondary purposes, but I don't, like, have an account where I, like, actively use it. So, mm. I mean, sure, I could delete it. It wouldn't change my life. I would just have to find another service to have for spam backup accounts. Yeah. So, one thing that we that you and I both are using Google for is um, the podcast feed for this podcast goes through FeedBurner. That's right. And I strongly suspect that FeedBurner's days are numbered. I would agree with you. In fact, I read something uh, there was already uh, some concern about FeedBurner kind of going bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're probably going to have to switch off FeedBurner. Yep. Which, you know, I never looked at the numbers anyway. Didn't really care. So. No, we just kind of set it up to have it in case, you know, when... Obviously, we have advertisers, sponsors. Uh, you know, we should know our, our data, but... Uh, there's lots of other ways to do that. And I agree. I sure, think yeah. I think feed burner shutdown is coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe Apple will launch something at WWDC. Along oh, sure. Ones. Because they're really, really great at online services. Oh, they're the best. Oh, yeah. Nobody's better than Apple. You know, I know there's all that uh, recent hubbub about iCloud and everything. But I have to say that iCloud in terms of sync... Calendar sync, mail sync, um, the contact sync, the core functions, I'm saying, core, core. Mm-hmm. They work great. I've never had any problems with them. Sure, well, they, have, they have outages here and there. They'll have stuff. But overall, I can rely on my mail contacts calendars. Yeah. Totally Maybe works. I'm rare. Maybe I'm rare, but I can't. I, I don't know. No, I, I've had absolutely zero problems. Okay. Um, so so at least there, they've, they've done a good job. i just making sure that, that you're aware sure. that I, I, and you just agree, they are very good at the core services. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it maybe took them a few years to get reliable at those things. But as far as I can tell, yeah, those are, those are spot on. And of course, it's interesting that iCloud is really a term for a whole bunch of technologies. Um, contacts and calendars use CalDAV and uh, ContactDAV. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but that has nothing to do with where iCloud, I, iCloud's real problems, which are um, the developer side, um, core data syncing and uh, persistent documents. That's where, uh, that's where things aren't working as well. Well, and speaking of contacts, you know, we're working on a contacts app, a Flexibits. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is, you know, what, what will we support? What kind of accounts, right? So we could just go easy and just support whatever address book supports. Mm-hmm. But Fantastic how one of the lessons we learned, Fantastic how was obviously our first app. We had to quickly support 
we basically decided to leverage iCal at that time, of course, because calendar didn't exist. Right. The accounts that they support, right? Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have to really go crazy because supporting accounts is hard. But on our new app, our contacts app, we're going to have in-app account management where you can add additional types of accounts. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these things where we're going to leverage address book, of course, right? If you already have, or contacts, whatever OS you're running. Yeah. If you already have contacts configured, both iCloud or Exchange, whatever, if your address book or contacts app is pre-configured, then why would we want you to configure in our app? It's just an extra step for no reason. Mm -hmm. But if you want to configure in our app and add additional account types, that would work. Mm-hmm. So then you okay. can just focus on our app. But so the reason why I brought this up was, you know, we're talking about contacts and, and the address book. You know, the address book is one of those apps that people don't really use a lot, right? You can only use it if you really need a contact. And you only kind of mm-hmm. use it if you're editing or adding or changing, right? Right. But it's one of those apps, if you didn't have it, you'd kind of go nuts, right? Gotta have it, yeah. Exactly. And that's one of the dilemmas that we have with this app. We've actually had it in development over a year now. And it's kind of like, what are we doing here, really? Because the contacts app works, but it doesn't really, it's not one of those apps you'd use every day. Mm-hmm. We're trying to somehow turn it into an app you'd use every day, or at mm-hmm. least use more often and not worry about using it because it actually works pretty good. Mm-hmm. Got it. Hmm. I wonder what would make me use an app like that every day. Well, hopefully I don't you'll know. find out. Yeah, yeah. You'll surprise me. I think I told you you'll be on our test, so I'll make sure cool. you uh, check it out and make okay. sure you beat on it and stuff like that. All right. Yeah. So I'm, anyway, back I'm to a, back to the yeah. What? Huh? I'm I'm a terrible beta tester. Actually, a new build's going out today. Mm, okay. So at least open it and launch it and just give it a whirl. All right. Tell me something about it. Okay. Yeah. Just like literally, just give me like your first reaction of this is cool, this sucks, I love it. it okay. It's solving a problem or it's not, and you know, be Brent brutal on me. Yeah, I can do that. Good. So let's see. Back to uh, back to this crazy. Uh, so all right, let's 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 are we done sort of with the uh, with the um, Google Reader stuff or should we keep going? I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. Well, it, the, the thing I keep thinking about is um, the RSS reader market. It's been kind of frozen in time, uh, and, I, and I think that's because of Google Reader, and I think that's a big shame. But with Google Reader going away, it gets the chance to become unfrozen and gets the chance to innovate and be interesting and so on again. So now this, as an app producer, developer kind of guy that I am, this brings up a great question, right? You just said it kind of caused stagnation in innovation of newsreaders, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone kind of relied on Google Reader. Right. So is it actually a good thing if there's a central service such as, let's call it iCloud syncing, right? Data syncing. Mm-hmm. Is it a good thing to have a central repository for something or a central service where then innovation is kind of halted or based on whatever that developer does? It's a bad thing if innovation is halted. Right, correct. Yeah. And I think it does halt innovation. And I think sometimes a developer may look at it as an easy, lazy, whatever way out to leverage a service, right? Hey, mm-hmm. we just leverage sure. that service. Boom, plug it in and it works. Mm-hmm. But what really happens to the end result user experience? You said it yourself. It's kind of it's it's held stuck. back. It's yeah. stuck. Yeah, absolutely right. I still can't actually believe that anybody ever shipped any RSS readers that that used Google Reader for syncing because it was never a documented API. Yep. It was not supported, and people figured it out just by you know going to the website and you know. Reverse engineering stuff, and figuring exactly. out you know how it works. That's that's crazy. I mean, I you know I'm one of the people who did it, 
and you know I hated doing it it was you know it went against just about every instinct I had yeah and yet you know I I didn't feel like I had a choice yeah well you didn't yeah right I mean the choice would have been to create your own sync service and something that you ask people to sign. so well this that, brings that's a good point new it, yeah. newsgator had its own sync service that it was shutting down so True. what do you do uh, right and, you know we did what it seemed like all of our customers were asking for, which was, please, please sync with Google Reader. I mean, that's what we heard all day. Right. Well, it was day. low, low, low lying fruit, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. But I think, like, I'm looking at the things today, obviously, with Net Newswire now and Black Pixel talking about solutions and this and that. Like, even them using iCloud from the beginning, I don't know a lot about their plans, right? Just so you know, I'm just kind of reading what I've read. I, I don't have inside right. information. I don't know much about this, but I realize, obviously, Google Reader was a big part of it and they were trying to move towards iCloud syncing using the data portion of iCloud sync, right? Right. But to me, back to what you said about innovation being, you know, stifled, I think that was always a bad move. Like, why would you want to rely? Okay, yeah, sure. Then you get Apple promoting you and Apple wants iCloud, et cetera. And it's on every device and it's easy and accounts are there. Again, low-lying fruit. Mm -hmm. But what's best for the user? What's best for the innovation of the app? And I think the hard decision is to roll your own service. The hard decision is to do the heavy lifting, mm -hmm. but it makes for a much better product and experience and, of course, user uh, experience, right? I mean, yeah, user, I so. user, yeah. user, user fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And when things go wrong, they can fix it because it's theirs. Exactly. And then I think, in hindsight, if we could reverse the clock... And Black Pixel or you or other companies that spent time implementing and beating up and fighting with things that weren't documented or working anyway, but rather were forging ahead on a solution that was your own, I'll bet you it could have been done in around the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they could. Just a gut, but I, I'd be willing to take that bet. Yeah, sure. So I think the lesson, I always talk about lessons, but I think what's important here is sometimes a plug and play solution, especially if it's undocumented and obviously unfunctional, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it might be better to go down the path of, oh my God, this is going to take a year to develop this thing because you may be in that year when you're done battling the other thing. Mm -hmm. We ran into that ourselves back to the contacts app. We spent uh, our first year on implementing stuff for servers and our own support. We could have eliminated that whole year just by leveraging a dress book and being like, oh, well, that's all you get. Too bad. Right. But I think for a contacts app, you really have to support all the proper things if you want the market to be big and if you want users to be able to leverage what you're doing. So mm -hmm. we made that tough decision. And believe me, it was a tough decision. You could imagine how much money we invested on that year just to add server account stuff. Right. Sure. It's a lot of money and yeah, time. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's right. But we did it. And now, mm -hmm. you know, once the app ships this year and it will ship this year, um, I hope Kent's listening. It will ship this year. Hey, Kent, it's going to ship this year. Thank you. And now that Brent said it, it has to ship. It has to ship this year. But hopefully the users will be happy with what we added where it won't be, oh, this only works with address book. I'm not buying it. And who knows? Maybe that could be 50% of the customers, right? Because mm -hmm. for, for something like an address book, again, the only people who really need it are the people who are probably using it. And the people that you're going to convince to use it, well, if you don't support their server or what they want or account type, then you're definitely not going to get a sale. Yeah, right. So it's a business decision, but it's also a user experience decision. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to the whole thing is sometimes it is better to develop your own solution than leverage someone else's because it's the same amount of time and stress once the time has gone by and you discover all of the problems. Right, sure. 
Yeah, and having having the control is it's fantastic. Oh, it's it's, it's freedom, it, isn't it? It's, yeah, absolutely. It makes all the difference. Yeah, that's something actually I don't think a lot of developers think about in a decision. I mean, obviously, look, as human beings, I, you, we all do the same thing of path of least resistance, right? Oh, that's easy. Sure. Oh, that's low-lying right. fruit. Back to that saying again. But you have to also consider freedom. You have to also consider functionality. You have to also consider user experience and so on and so forth. But I really think it's important to think about looking ahead. One of the things of how I've been a good project manager is I really look ahead. Like I really play it all out in my mind and I try to really try to just, I really do. I I just obsess on the details of what will happen if we do this and what is eight months from now or a year from now look like. Mm -hmm. And obviously look, I can't predict the future. But I've been pretty good as a visionary in terms of trying to figure out what's going to happen. And they've turned out pretty good in the last 15 years of what mm-hmm. I've guessed at. So I keep doing it. But I don't think it's something special necessarily that I can do. So I try to, like, encourage others to do that. Just it's a, think It's ahead. a good habit, right? Yeah. yeah it's a good habit. I couldn't have said it better. It's mm-hmm. a good habit to have to not just be on an automatism of path of least resistance or low-lying mm-hmm. fruit. Right. Actually think about what will happen a year from now. What could happen? Okay, well, iCloud DataSync could work perfectly and we could implement it in three months and we ship. Really? Is that going to happen? What if it doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Hedge your bets. Right. Hedge your bets. You know, I, one thing I noticed really early on when I was um, a young software developer just getting started in this industry, I noticed that the people who seemed smarter than me um, had one thing in common with whatever they said that I, that I took as being like, wow, that's really insightful, that's intelligent. They always thought at least one level beyond where where I had stopped thinking about something. You know, they either thought yeah. ahead to the future or, you know, they looked, they looked, you know, somehow more deeply at something or, or whatever, where I would, you know, stop thinking, thinking, oh, I've, you know, reached an interesting conclusion. They would go beyond. They would always con- keep thinking. You know what I mean? Not sure if that totally yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it totally makes sense. And I think what it boils down to, again, what you said. Like, you observed something that seemed like it was good in people. The other thing is you observed it being successful, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's good. I mean, it worked, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, you know, my my motto ever since realizing that has just been, I, I may think that I've reached a good conclusion or had a good thought, but there's more to think. So um, I guess I don't really actually have a motto I can express in a sentence other than keep thinking. Yeah. Think one more step ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfectly yep. said. And I think that one step ahead is part of the planning and vision of what's to come. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't figure out there's some people that'll just dive into something and I can't understand if it's because they think they're heroic. Well, I can just dive in. I'll just do it. You know, maybe their intentions are good, right? I can get mm-hmm. this done. Sure. But the question is, is it something that really works out in the end? I think a lot of people don't stop at the end and reflect back and see how it worked out. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about a couple episodes ago, we had failures on Fantastic Hell 1-1, and I've been doing this a long time, right? Mm-hmm. But I took a stop and pause and looked back to see what we did wrong so we could try to not do it again. And that's how you tweak and you adjust, right? It's like you continuous development. Always be learning. Always be learning. Yeah. Definitely much better than always be selling. Yeah, 
True. I get a lot of questions about, well, how do you make so much money or how do you do this? It's like, well, first of all, I don't make that much money. Like, I don't know what you consider that much money. But the second part is, is I, I think I've been successful and I don't measure that in money. I measure that in how I've helped people with my apps or my advice or how I feel about overall what I'm doing is I'm not selling. I'm just making great stuff. And then I think the money or the success and the pomp and circumstance follows. Mm-hmm. There's other people like to do it the other way. Yeah. Yes. Cue the music. Before we get on to that, maybe we should talk about our sponsor. Speaking of pomp and circumstance. Dun, 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 dun. Um, yes. We are Microsoft. sponsored, yeah, for uh, uh, the third time. We are uh, grateful to Microsoft Windows Azure Mobile Services for sponsoring today's podcast. And the URL, if you want to go check them out, is www.windowsazure.com slash iOS. And if you go there, you'll see some videos that uh, I made with Microsoft. But um, Good looking they, dude, by the way. You can't be talking about me. Well, you're in the video, so I must be. <laughs> um, so in, in case you haven't checked them out yet, you probably ought to. Because the idea is you can write your own backend stuff for your apps without having to you know, learn how to administer MySQL and without having to learn Ruby on Rails, without having to do all the you know, kind of hardcore stuff and running your own server and learning big frameworks. If, you're, if your app has um, kind of average needs, I think you can put something together pretty darn easily without having to go down the big rabbit hole of server-side development. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty damn slick is what it is. And worth your time. Go check it out. Now, getting back into the topic, I actually still want to talk about Microsoft, even though the uh, sponsorship plug is over. Right. But, like, what a world we live in. Remember we talked about, I think it was last week, where, or, well, last, last episode, where we were talking about how Microsoft's no longer the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep, which I turned mm-hmm. into a op-ed piece for Macworld. Oh, I see how it works. Mm-hmm. Basically, you just steal our topics and take them as your own. I I've done that twice. I've written for, uh, let's see, the first <laughs> time was the thing about the watch, which we had talked about here. And then, oh, I didn't uh, even catch that one. Okay, yeah. oh, see? Yeah, oh, great. Totally. So you just rip off our ideas. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I just write yeah, it wonderful. down later. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. One of these days I'll have to do that. Mm. But anyway, my point is it was a great article. Actually, I applaud you. You wrote it. Oh, thank nicely. you. Yeah, no, it was cool. And the thing is, I said this on the last episode. I've always admired Microsoft, even when they were the enemy. And mm-hmm. I'll say at a point they were the enemy, right? Because basically sure. it was market yeah, totally. share. And until Apple got big, they were big. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always liked Microsoft because I always felt, well, hey, they've got it going on. Props mm-hmm. to them, right? People who want to hate the winner or hate the enemy or hate whatever are just haters. And you're not going to ever succeed by hating, right? Hating your heart will consume you too. Sure, right. And so, the very idea of having an enemy is, exactly. is silly. I mean, if you actually work for Apple, then, it, then hey, maybe it makes sense. But if you sure. don't, eh, you know, come on, grow up. Yeah, sure. And of course, when I said Microsoft was the enemy at the time, I meant that in quotes. You knew of that. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. And yeah. the thing is, like now, like even though I've always liked them to see them actually being so progressive that they're supporting iOS mm-hmm. that they actually have these tools, right? That, you know, the codes in JavaScript and you could basically write in any editor and it's simple. Mm-hmm. They're thinking ahead. This is like good thinking, right? Yeah, this yeah, is like totally. clearly they're not just like, yeah, let's just try this and see if it sticks back to the Google analogy. Mm-hmm. And I really like the fact, I mean, this kind of shows that Microsoft is a company that actually makes great products mm-hmm. and obviously great products for developers that help developers make great products. Yeah. I just want to kind of, they have a great history of that. that. Yeah. You know what? Not, yeah. 
Microsoft reminds me a little bit of um, of a colonial power that has lost its empire and is trying to figure out, you know, how to get along in the world afterwards. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, Britain, for instance, was a giant empire, and it's it's. They say Navy. the sun. They used to say the sun never sh- uh, set on the British Empire. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's merchants every could sail around the world, uh, pull into a whole bunch of different ports without ever leaving um, Imperial Britain. Right. Correct. I mean, yep. tea, they 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 owned the world. Yeah, tea would move everywhere, and and I don't know why the, I just had a George Decay accent. By the way, I went. They owned the world. I don't know what happened with them. <laughs> George Decay. There we go. Um, but then they didn't, they don't really have that same empire anymore. Right. So how do you get along in the world at that point? Well, you need to learn to work with other countries. You have to recognize that they exist and they are different and you have to, uh, form partnerships and be diplomatic and, and just know that for your country to thrive doesn't mean you have to own everything. You have to, you know, got to work with other countries, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Microsoft is kind of feeling its way uh, along this uh, along this new reality. I think there's still a lot of people at Microsoft who who haven't really woken up to that, and they'd be just as happy to return to the old days, you know, where where they sold the entire Microsoft stack to everybody, and that's all everybody used. But those days aren't really going to come back, right? Uh, and the people at Microsoft who 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 know that. Uh, they're the ones who are doing interesting work because I think they are just trying to create valuable services at, at a good price, which is you know, exactly what we want them to do, right? What we want really any company to do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, in a, in a company, especially a Microsoft, a Google, an Apple that has big power, big money, and big people behind it, by big people, I mean a lot of engineers, mm-hmm. uh, resources, right, mm-hmm. is something that actually is appropriate. I just think it's important that they're they're doing things that are contributing rather than just trying to throw things out that stick like we talked about earlier. Right, sure. A good product is not a good product if it never has a future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Did you see the Google graveyard on Slate? I did not. So it's uh, it's uh, it looks like a graveyard, right? Animated with tombstones kind of thing. Um, but it's a list of all the Google products that no longer exist. And it's a surprisingly long list. Uh, there it's were like things I made a thing with um, music and stuff. Or mm, no? I, I, I guess uh, I didn't really mean animated, uh, illustrated. Uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, right, I've got not, it up now. Yeah. I didn't want to open it up and then have it start playing like yeah, you know, right. death music. Yeah. Wow. A lot of products, huh? Wow, dude. And not only a lot of products, but like they have these things you can leave a flower to talk about things you wanted. Yeah, right. These yeah. are some like like, hey, you want to start a business tomorrow? Here's your roadmap. Like. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like, if you sure. actually think about it from a logical point of view, which I am right now, I think it's it, this shows you where potential businesses are. Mm-hmm. Like, Google Reader, obviously, is the biggest one, over 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I didn't know Google Labs shut down. I didn't even know there was a Google Labs. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. I don't, I don't pay that much uh, attention to them, so, yeah, whatever. Actually, the Google TV is not on here, so that's kind of funny. The Google TV is still going. It's mm. weird. Yeah, wow, there's a lot of products here, dude. I mean, there's a lot here that I haven't heard of, so I guess that doesn't matter, but it still goes oh, to sure. show you how much stuff that but they still, it's still, it's an interesting track record. And, you know, just as they're shutting down these things, they add Google Keep and Google same-day shipping, and it's incredible. 
Yeah. Wow. They, well, they, 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 I mean, here's the thing. Look, they're a big company, right? So they're mm-hmm. going to have stuff like this. But some of these that are on here are just like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Like here's one. Remember they had Google video, right? Mm-hmm. And of course YouTube and then they acquired YouTube. Right. But like they shut down Google video. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense because they merged with, with YouTube or I don't know how that works, but yeah, it makes Google, sense. Vid- Google video was actually a pretty good service. Was it? I mean, they had a lot of videos on there that I remember going to see. You know, for, for better or worse, okay. they were linked there. But yeah, I guess that makes sense to unify there. But yeah, sure. I don't know. Google Reader is a crazy one, dude. Yeah, they never cared about Google Reader. No, they didn't. But it's still a crazy one that they wouldn't have done something with it. You know, mm-hmm. sold it to sell. That's another question. Well, so- why are these big companies that acquire things? Why don't they sell to other companies? What what is that? Well, of course, Google Reader was developed in-house and not acquired. But why they didn't sell it is because the reason is because it would take one or more executives a certain number of hours to uh, find a buyer, come up with a contract, um, you know, the whole mechanics of selling it. And that's going to cost more than it's worth. I mean, what what if they could have gotten, you know, a few million dollars for it? It's just not worth the time. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, not worth the effort. But it's it's unfortunate that all these people lose, you know, their mm-hmm. service that they relied on. What I wish is that Google would just be a little more ju- judicious and just not do the things that that aren't going to last. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how is Google Keep going to last longer than whatever was their previous note, note saving or whatever app? I can't remember what it was called, but they used to have one before. And now they're going to have a new one. Yeah. Well, is that going to last more than 2,000 days? Uh, I guess Whatever. Not, yeah. yeah. That's some man. <whistles> yep. Well, lots, lots of stuff I wouldn't do. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, sure. Lots of stuff I know you wouldn't do. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, all right. Let's see. Next topic. What else, what else is going on in this well, wacky world, I, wacky I, times? I, that interview with Dave Morin. I, oh, I here think, we go. I think... <laughs> Everybody has looked at that, and people just can't stop making fun of him over this. You were holding back to not have oh, this be the God. leader, weren't you? Oh, yeah. You know, I could have spent an hour on it, but it would all it would. At this point, I think it's piling on to to make fun of him. But it still, in case there are on, anybody, in case anybody missed it, we'll put in the show notes. You have no, we to will. see this interview. Yeah. This is basically either. I, I, Here's me, the uh, nice, optimist, you know, caring person. Because mm. the funny thing is, I go through these stages. At first, I'm just like, I try to explain bad things away, right? Like, I do. I try to see the good in people. Sure. So I try to come up with these explanations. And then once I realize it's like, you know, the shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, there's like a point of no return where then I'm just like, I hate the person. I'm on like a campaign against them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in me, when I read this thing, it's so out of control that I'm like, it's got to be an act. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like what he's trying to make people think. But there's just no way. Yeah, there's, there's no, no way. It's, it's true. so ludicrous that even someone wanting to do that wouldn't want someone to think this about themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no no performance artist is going to come up with this. Yeah, not, exactly. Not, not, it's not so this insane good. Yeah. you couldn't come up with it unless yeah. you were insane. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about some, Oh, these tidbits are great. Uh, uh, you've got me going. Let's, let's give, give, give a couple of the tidbits. Oh, um, uh, the one where he doesn't have his, his phone ring because that way... He's always on offense and never on defense. Yeah, because if you take a phone call, you might have to defend yourself. Right, and I'm sure that's there's probably it's probably in the art of war somewhere, right? Uh, turn off oh, your yeah. ringer. I don't know. <laughs> Sun C. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, is it C or be, C? Uh, you know, I have no idea. It's one. I'm of those, going with C. Sun C. It's one of those words I've only read, never heard. So. So I've been to Japan many times, and I speak Japanese. And one of the things I've learned from my Japan friends, both both Japanese and Gaijin, is you know if you're white and Gaijin, which is basically non-Japanese, mm. it's actually derogatory, but it's not derogatory anymore. It's kind of converted into just a standard word, but it used to be derogatory. Gaijin just means non-Japanese, right? Uh-huh, okay. But basically, there's a thing called Gaijin smash, which basically means like you can get away with stuff because you just come in as like a Gaijin. You're just like, oh, you know, this this is the best that I know because I'm not Japanese. Oh, sure. So right, saying Sun C, a- you know, yeah. How yeah, could I know Benny better? Yeah, you're a barbarian. That's right. So Gaijin mm-hmm. smash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so, so okay, so don't answer your phone calls next. Don't answer your phone calls because then you'd have to be on defense. Right, right. Yeah. All right, what else, what else can we learn from Mr. Moore? So what, the thing about the custom, I need tips here. I need tips. Help me the, out. The bespoke app that he oh, had no. built for, what is it, him and his assistant? I'm not <sighs> actually looking at the interview. Now. First of all, no, I, mean, I must interrupt. Bespoke, really? Yeah, right. Really, every time I have a client of mine, and we joke around, the, we joke about the word bespoke. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you use that word, and you've immediately lost all credibility. All credibility. And I don't even care if you're English or British, which I believe it's like a British English word, like a tr- like that's really like who would use it mm-hmm. in their day to day. Right. But even then, you don't use it. Just don't use it. Just say custom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bespoke makes you look like a besmoron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I tweeted the other day, uh, if you use the word bespoke, you're a bamoron. Bismoron would have been better, right? Bismoron, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, this is version 2.0 of that joke, and it's Brent Simmons approved. <laughs> you're a badouchebag. Yeah, but, but bespoke, really? Yeah. A bespoke app. Bespoke. Oh, it's bespoke. bespoke. Uh, as, as if it was, you know, carefully tailored. <laughs> it's gilded. <laughs> Pardon me, Mr. Moran. Do you dress to the left or to the right? We need the to know because part we're about creating this, an app. Exa- the funniest part about this topic is you and I could never even be serious about saying this stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, we've de- we've totally degenerated. Uh, is just plain awful. Degenerated and denigrated. Oh man! All right. So the be- uh, the one I love is how he says that basically he has two phones. Yes. Just so he can have all day battery life. He has a day night. phone and a night phone. Yeah. Isn't that something? You know, I, I'm going to have to take on this approach, and I need to get 30 phones to make sure that if one phone breaks, I always have one every day. Uh-huh. And then I could just, you know, warranty replace the ones in and out as they break. There you go. So you have one one phone per day of the month? Well, you really need 60 then, I guess. Well, the two that's true. That's yeah. actually a good point. Yeah. Well, I'm, actually, like, like with airplanes, I should get three, so we have triple redundancy. Oh, right. Of course. Because on airplanes, they have three of everything because have obviously to. if the backup goes, you don't want the plane going down. Yeah, so you have right. to have triple, right? And the odds yeah. of three going is just basically yeah. impossible. So, And, you know, instead of having two phones with battery life, I could just go buy one of those battery cases, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just throwing that out there. Yeah. yeah. What else? What else? Was there anything else ridiculous that he said? I mean, uh, of course there was, but. The saddest thing about, well, he's in meetings all day, every day. Meetings. Meetings. That's like, is that like. Is that supposed to be cool? Or like right, I write a calendar app. I write a yeah. calendar app, and I can tell you meetings are very unproductive if you're in them all day. Yeah. Who would, who would ever want to be in meetings all day, every day? All day. I, I, I'm hoping that, that, that he's not particularly happy about that, but I have no way of knowing. I don't know. Well, maybe he likes being in meetings all day maybe because he he's does. a decision maker, though. Because he's, so he to- he's important. Right. So he's, he's a decision maker and therefore he gets to make decisions. So that meeting that he's in all day is a good thing, right? Yeah. Right. Sure. He's yeah, the decider. 
He's the decider. Yeah. So there was there was uh, there was something else about um, um, where was it uh, talking about? Oh, I'm looking on the interview right now, getting some stuff out of here. And uh, this this app that he designed, the bespoke app, mm-hmm. it's built just so his assistant and he can collaborate and communicate. Uh huh. Right. Because you need an right. app to collaborate and communicate with your assistant. With your assistant. <laughs> 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 By the way, what do you what, what do you think about <laughs> let's say indie developers, right? We'll we'll say developers of uh, maybe even developers of our caliber that have a few employees uh-huh. having an assistant. I have to go on a tangent here. Uh huh. Um. I yeah yeah. <sighs> yeah just say it. Come on. Just yeah. Yeah. No. No. Right. No. No. Yeah. I know. I know some developers in our scene that have assistants. Yeah, I do just, too. It, it yeah. bugs me. It really bugs me because it's just like if you need an assistant, you're doing it wrong or, uh-huh. or you're doing it exactly right, which means you're not really in any developer and you know, yeah, sure. I don't know. This whole assistant thing just bugs me. I what, don't know why it bugs me. You it know, bugs me. if you're, if you're single and you're working hard on your software and you know, there are things you need taken care of. I can, I can see having an assistant, but, but here's the thing. Don't ever, ever, ever mention that you have an assistant. Right. So th- th- I think the assistant in what I'm talking about, and I think you, you said you know some people who do too. Sure. It's not a, a low pro de- on the DL kind of thing. It's very obvious they have assistants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not assistance with a C. It's right. assistance with a T. Meaning, yes. look, I have assistants. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I I saw the thing about so basically you have an app design a bespoke app for you and your assistant to uh-huh. communicate and collaborate through. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a phone? <laughs> right. There are yeah. How many how many communication apps on the app store and you still have to have? Well, what does that even mean? Like yeah. communicate and collaborate through? Like uh, you can't know. get a to do manager or a mail app and just send now anyway. What? I don't know. Nah. Use, use Glassboard. Jesus. Yeah, use Glassboard exactly. Or, or actually, maybe maybe that's your new marketing campaign. These people who have their assistants, like even the people in our scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they'd use Glassboard, they could you know, I don't know, manage their stuff better. Yeah. On the other hand, some stuff. I, I don't yeah. work on Glassboard anymore, so I don't care. I don't use Glassboard anymore. I don't know. No, you should use Glassboard. It's right, good use stuff. Use Glassboard. I use it all the time. Just tell me what people should do, and I'll back you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, you know what people should do? Glassboard should sponsor our show. Yeah, Glassboard should sponsor us. I totally should ask them if they will. Get on, get get on the horn and let them. Know. I'm gonna do that. Right, oh, which reminds me, everyone should definitely tune in next week as we will have Nick Bradbury. Yes, our wrote, first guest yeah, on Identical Cousins. He wrote the Android version of Glassboard. Nick's a great guy. He is super. Yeah. Funny when I saw Nick's email about being on the show. Uh, of course, uh, when I every time I hear Nick Bradbury, I'm reminded of Ray Bradbury. Yeah. Please tell me you know Ray Bradbury. You of, of course, course. yeah. Everyone knows Martian Chronicles and yes. all that. I, I, the big one for me is Fahrenheit 450. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, so what, great. When I was young and I was a Commodore 64 Amiga dude, they mm-hmm. did a adventure game on Fahrenheit 451. Oh, no kidding. I remember it just struck me. Like, I just, yeah. I, it's one of those things, right? They always say, what are your memories as a child? And Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, just, just then I got into his books and stuff. He's, he's a great author. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, anyway, when I saw uh, Nick's email address, I thought, I swear, I read it three times as R. Bradbury. <laughs> I guess I was hoping, and Mr. Bradbury, if you, oh, actually, no, he died, darn, he 
yeah. died. I forgot he died last year, actually. Yeah. Yeah, well, he would have been a good guest, actually. Yeah, he would have been. It would, <laughs> but anyway, it would yes. be amazing if we could get him now. It would it would be, but yeah. Nick Bradbury will uh, be of the uh, of, of the uh, West Coast, or, or actually, he's in the middle of middle states, Tennessee, actually, Tennessee, yes, Knoxville. The area. Tennessean Bradburys will be here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, Nick's a great guy. Yep, lots of info. So hopefully next week he'll uh, he'll school us on something. Yeah, I'm sure he will. But anyway, yeah, uh, and and just as you said, Glassport should sponsor us, and uh, you should sponsor us if you're listening to our podcast and you have a product and you want us to. Uh, you know, endorse it. Well, we would endorse it only if it's good. So we have a policy with our sponsorships. If we don't like your product, we won't accept you as a sponsor. Yeah. So hopefully you have a good product and want to sponsor us. If you're listening to the to this podcast, clearly you have excellent taste, and that probably filters down to your to your professional life. So I bet your products are wonderful. This is why Brent handles the sponsorships and not me. <laughs> see, identical cousins. So let's see. I think we'll start wrapping up soon, but there's got to be, let's see, one other topic of what's going on in this crazy, wacky tech bubble world. Oh, what about that dude um, who sold his company to uh, Yahoo for like $30 million, the Sumley dude, Nick D'Aloisio, or Aloisio, Alasio, Alusio, Aloisio. I have no idea how to say his name. Um, I would say it's D'Aloisio. Okay, so I haven't, wrong, I haven't spent much time looking into this. I don't really know the details, but I do think I gathered that that the tech that Sumley was based on was technology that they licensed from the people who had made Siri initially. This is correct. This is correct. Right. So they have licensed their key technology, which, hey, you know, great. Start, you know, that's one way to go. But then sold their business. And I, I totally don't understand that. I mean, they're a business that basically made made glue, right? They took some licensed technology and then built a front end to it the front end is not worth 30 million dollars so i don't really understand anything about well yahoo says it's worth 30 million dollars well it's worth 30 million dollars if someone pays 30 million dollars that's you know that's you know this is that's the whole how it works part. by definition right but i just yeah. don't understand why yahoo this is the whole part of this it. whole thing that bugs me right so i've been doing business a long time in this industry and I've even done advisory where people have said, what is this worth, right? And I have to figure out something. I have to just basically give like expert witness input. Mm-hmm. What it's worth is what you're willing to pay, right? Yeah. There's been this debate over salary. So let's say you were offered a job tomorrow and they wanted to pay you 90K or whatever. And you're worth 150. By, by the worth, word worth, I mean other people are getting 150. Mm-hmm. But you agree to 90 and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. That sounds great. I could pay my bills. I have a good life. I'm happy with 90, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say they even had in their budget 150, but they only give you 90, right? Right. This is like a big, big, big philosophical topic discussion I always have with friends. If you accepted 90 happily and they had the money to give you, even if they had 150 in their budget, is that bad? If you both agreed to it, right, and you both were fine with it and happy with it, is that a bad thing? Well, I would argue yes. If they actually have the money to pay you more and they're not willing to pay you more, then they don't value as much as the maximum budget they have, and they probably shouldn't have hired you anyway. They should probably get someone who's 150K so they can have a rock star, unless their goal was to get two people, but then therefore I doubt they'd have 150 in that budget to give you. Mm -hmm. But my point here is, is that worth usually boils down to what two people agree. By two people, I can mean companies, whatever. Sure, two entities, yeah. Two entities agree on. That's really what worth is. Mm -hmm. So this app was worth $30 million to Yahoo, Mm -hmm. as you and I see it 
from our expert opinions, as far as I like to think I have an expert opinion, I've been doing this a long time, there's no way it's worth 30 million because you could find, go around the web and find, you know, three expert UI designers and just say, okay, you're on retainer for 5 million for a year, right? And you pay mm-hmm. 15 million over a year and you'd probably get better work. Yeah, probably true. Yeah. I can't so, believe that this is an aqua hire. I mean, that's for $30 million. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know much about this either, but my big question I would want to know is how many users did Sumley have? Hmm. And I don't, I just don't know that. I, I don't, yeah, in fact, the articles don't seem to mention this, which is very strange. Hmm. But maybe it's, maybe it's, Yahoo, and this is another idea I had, Yahoo trying to get into the news headlines by saying, we acquired a 17-year-old's app for $30 million. Is that worth like, $30 million? Eh, maybe. So you know the tech bubble that we had, right? Uh-huh, yeah, the big yeah. bubble that burst back in like 2000 and prior? Sure. I mean, obviously 9-11 didn't help, but my point is, well, yeah. what year would you say the bubble actually burst? I mean, I was in 2000 sometime. Yeah. Well. The point is, is... This is what the media was full of. Oh, this person built, you know, groceryme.com and they earned 20 million, right? Mm-hmm. This is like, mm-hmm. this is what made up the headlines in 1988 and 89, right? Sure. Or 1998 and 99. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's getting a lot of buzz. It's getting a lot of people talking. It's getting a lot of press and traction. And it's getting, more importantly, Yahoo. Hey, look, we have $30 million to acquire a news app. I mean, I'm not saying that it's worth thirty million, but let's go back to: was it worth thirty million to acquire that? So maybe to them it was worth thirty million to have this headline. Uh, it's no very bizarre. Way. Very bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. I just yeah, but you're saying no way the app's worth. Th- I know in no way. But I mean, uh, I, 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 nothing in this is worth thirty million. Right. I mean, and, it's, and, and reportedly, did you hear that he gave it was mostly a cash deal? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, 90% in cash, I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I would have wanted, yeah. $2.7 million, uh, $27 million in cash. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because right. Yahoo stock, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But, you, you know, uh, I would have, if I was the CEO, uh, if I were the CEO, and, you know, it's funny, I, I really thought Marissa Meyer, like, I like her from Google. I like the fact that she was very Apple at Google. Like, she was like, screw you, I'm using an iPhone. I don't care if I work at Google. Mm-hmm. She seems very product-centric. I like her. I really feel like she's someone who could... I don't know, turn Yahoo around. That's my gut. But now seeing this, it seems insane. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that remote worker thing also struck me as insane. The remote worker thing, okay, I've been working remotely for probably the last 15 years. Yeah, same here. In fact, I've never not worked in an office. Okay, well, there you go. So you have Mm -hmm. one up on me. But the thing is, I've done it so long that I will say this. I do know that when I go to an office, work with a client, go into on site, we'll call it, productivity is better. I'm not arguing that productivity is not good me on my own. I'm a different breed and obviously you're a different breed. We can manage our time alone successfully. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who cannot work remotely. Sure. I knew a lot of them working at Apple when I was remote there, mm-hmm. which is, you, it's very rare to be remote at Apple, but I was. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that it's really hard to be productive. It's only certain people can do it remotely. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably did a house cleaning and they were like, hey, you know, we have 20 million worth of payroll remote. Let's close this loophole. Yeah. I don't like it because I know that working remotely can be done, but I actually think at least they're trying to do something to save the company. 
Yeah, but you know, it occurs to me that they that that if I'd been a Yahoo employee, uh, and I think I'm a, a very good software developer, they would have lost me, and and people like me, and it, that just seems really really stupid. It does. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's the truth. They're going to lose really good people. Yep. But maybe on the other hand, what they'll make up with the people who'll come in and be productive will make up. I mean, I have no way of knowing. I, here's I the know. thing. I don't How know that I would have done morale? it. I don't know. Well, pretty badly for I now. I would think, yeah. But that's in the short term. The question is what happens down the road. But I will say. Is it short term? It's a bold decision. Well, I think it's a bold decision. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. By the way, um, I was one of the other articles about this uh, $30 million in cash for Sumley. Um, he'll remain in England. Right, so they're acquiring this thing, but then oh, so much for work remote employees, right? Yeah, two of the employees will go to Yahoo, and um, that's basically ten million each. Da, 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 da. But it basically it says here the thing is, he's a founder that will make Meyer and Yahoo look cutting edge because hmm. he's a young genius. Oh, look, we're we're getting back into the scene of a. Acqu- that's why I think a lot of this was a PR thing. There was huh. so much PR on it. I think, oh, you know, he's well spoken. He's adorkable, adorkable. Adorkable. Made that word. Jesus. Um, uh, he has kinetic energy. He's young and, pre- and presentable, and he's so young, and he's already done all this. And you know, um, he'll be a great person to put in front of the media, and he'll make Yahoo seem like it's a place that loves entrepreneurs. And like, so I don't know, this is a this is me. a facelift essentially. Could be. Yeah. Have you seen the um, Sumley video? In fact, what's funny about this is I never even heard of Sumley. I didn't know anything about Sumley. But there's this video that was done, and actually, I actually remember seeing this video now. It's a video where the founder, the, the you know the, the kid who got acquired, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name again, uh, Nick De Aloisio, he got Stephen Fry to be in a video with him. Okay. Have you seen this video? No, I don't watch videos. Yeah, well, he got Stephen Fry to be in the video, <laughs> which I assume based upon some things I've read. Did you read that Gizmodo article I told you about with um? Where he basically harassed them into like posting stuff. Haven't read it yet. Yeah. Which we could do a whole episode on this because look, I've been doing apps a long time and you have two with emailing PR people. You don't annoy them. Right. In fact, give, I go so far as to just never email them almost. Really? Yeah. I almost well, never you gotta, email. You got, you got to give them news. But yeah, I do a little You got to be respectful. You got to be respectful. Usually it's like to people I know well and I try to yeah. keep it to three sentences and I don't do follow-ups. I mean, you know. We have a press list, and if there's some news I want to get, we're doing a launch or something, I'll ping them. If I don't hear back, I usually like to do a resend, maybe a third if it's really like I'm just itching. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where you're like, well, look, they're not re- they're not replying. Right. Don't be a stalker. Don't be obsessive, right? Mm-hmm. Persistence is great, but there's a fine line between persistence and annoyance or persistence and stalkering. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, there's if we believe what they say, although I don't believe Gizmodo, they're like, you know... I don't know. The whole Gawker media thing is pretty sketchy. True. But basically, they said that he emailed them like hundreds of times and was like, you know, please put us here and I need this and you're, my company's going to go out of business if you... Basically, it attacked the inbox of this guy at Gizmodo. Hmm. Now, part of me says, hey, Gizmodo b- jerk. Because again, I-, I was young and I'm passionate and I like emailing people, Right. Don't be, I'm not going to curse so we don't have to do an explicit flag on this episode, okay. but don't be a you-know-what and and be a jerk to this guy, mm-hmm. right? Right. No offense, but I'm on Nick's side on this. Send him an email and say, hey, please leave us alone. We're not interested. In fact, some of his emails had said, just let me know if you're not interested. Mm-hmm. So what, you can't have the respect and decency to reply to someone? 
You think it's almost like the Dave Morin thing. You think you're so above everyone that you can't reply to someone. Right. Hit reply, say not interested, and hit send. And then if he continues to email you, then he's a moron at that point. Mm -hmm. But by not replying, you're kind of almost feeding into someone who potentially has this obsessive behaviorism, right? But it's not nice to not reply. Um, But anyway, it still kind of shows you a little bit, if this is true, into the psyche of this kid, Nick, who basically is very persistent on just winning by, you know, bothering people, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole Sumley thing, like you were saying, it uses existing technology and stuff. I mean, that's not quite innovative, if you ask me. Yeah. Did I tell you on Fantastic Hell for iPhone, we were originally going to leverage the um, Nuance engine for the voice uh, recognition to do the speaking? Oh, no. Yeah, because um, Siri hadn't been out yet Uh uh, when we decided to kind of move forward with it. And we were investigating... Or Siri was out. I can't remember how it works, but maybe the voice keyboard didn't exist. Whatever it was, I know we need... Oh, I know what it was. Siri only existed on the 4S, and it was very crude because it was right at the beginning. Right, sure. So we were like, well, if we put Dragon Dictation in there, then we give Dictation, and especially on an iPhone, you don't want to have to keep typing. Mm -hmm. Long story short, the SDK sucked. Mm. It was just bad. And... Once the iPhone 5 had come out, now we had the 4S and the 5 and, you know, just more adoption of Siri. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is we also had this idea that, you know, leveraging someone else's technology in terms of like nuance kind of leverages us to them, right? Mm-hmm. We're now building something in that basically isn't our own. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, as a software developer, it's really good. Remember, we talked earlier about having your own service. Yeah. It's really good to make your own stuff. And how does this even work with this app summary that Yahoo acquired? Like they basically now have to license the technology from the company that was doing it. Is it they're not going to they're going to kill the app? I mean, what are they doing? I mean, I don't know the answers, but yeah, I have no idea. But, but the more I think about it, the more I think you're right. They just wanted somebody young uh, at Yahoo, somebody that they could trot out and go, look, you know, youth, youth. Um, yeah, that's probably what it was about. Yeah. But there, were, there were some funny comments. People were like. You know, he's he's underage, and at some point, you know, he'll probably even get caught in a bar drinking, and they'll suddenly have an exodus of him. <laughs> Someone said, very expensive PR stunt and nothing more. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. The reason why I say that is, is everything of this doesn't make sense with the, with the exception of the fact that they got a lot of news on it. Uh-huh. A lot of news, dude. Well, and they can keep, and they can keep using him as a, as a face of the company. Yeah. As to. Oh, well. <laughs> Well, I think that's it. We're out of time, folks. That's it, yeah, clearly. It's my favorite thing to say. We're out of time. (laughs) Oh, my God, Michael, look at the clock. We're out of time. I have to call, I have to uh, launch launch up my bespoke app for my assistant. Oh, yeah, I'm getting uh, push notifications right now. No, no, you don't, because you don't get things. You only send things, so you can be on the offense, not the defense. Come on now, (laughs) tut-tut. I'm sending push notifications right now. There we go. That that sounds more likely. Absolutely. But uh, again, as always, to our listeners, I say this a lot, and I know Brent feels the same way. Thank you for listening and supporting us. Um, We uh, Oh, oh, wait, wait, before we go to the glass board, there was a comment on the glass board I remembered. All right, let's answer it. Yes. See, this is how much we love our listeners. Yes, we love them. We, even though we're out of time, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we handle this. Okay. Yeah. The question was uh, just one question. Let's see. I think it was was um, what do we think of working in a co working space? Uh, there were a couple of answers on the glass board, but I'll just throw out my thing. I personally don't like co working spaces. I don't mind a place where you go, like if you need to work somewhere, like a coffee shop or something like that. But where it's co working, where you're kind of um, working with other people, because uh, there's a difference between like, like so true co working is where you're working with other people, like 
there's a designer in the office that works and you kind of co-work with people. Mm -hmm. I assume this is what Samuel Giddens, who posted the question, is asking about. Um, I don't know. I, for, for me, I just, I, I think if you're going to work, you should try to work in, I mean, if it works for you, then great. But for me, I don't, I, I don't see a benefit of it. I think it's actually distracting. And I think you're actually in an environment that isn't necessarily that focused. Mm -hmm. That's my short version. All right. I have zero experience with it. So I have, I have no opinion at all. I work in an office with my door shut yeah. and I don't think I could work any other way. Yeah. I don't even go to coffee shops and try to work. Um, yeah, I, I don't, the way I work best is I have an office in my home. I close the door. I like to, you know, be as silent as possible. Sometimes like, like later on when I'm doing things like whether it's support email or just designing some things or being kind of just more open-ended, I'll hang out in my living room with my family and just kind of, you know, chill, mm -hmm. just working on my laptop and chilling. Um, but I think in a place where co-working co or in a coffee, I mean, there's zero productivity. There's yeah. too much noise and distraction and, and, and ambient noise right yeah like just forget it so i guess from brett and i we don't think much of working in a public co-working place but you know everybody's different so exactly i think it's the kind of thing you can try see how and goes. i'll say this exactly if it's something that's intriguing to you go for it what's the worst that happens you don't like it but then you know yeah, right, right gotta try and then figure it out from there mm-hmm well anyway uh again thanks everyone for listening it was always a pleasure speaking with you brent you too, Michael, and thanks to everybody who listened. And thanks to our sponsor, Windows Azure Mobile Services. Yeah. And, uh, we'll speak to you uh, on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Nick Bradbury next time, week from now. Bye, everybody. Adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike.